verses 16 to 39. And the soldiers led him away inside the palace, that is the governor's headquarters, and they called together the whole battalion. And they clothed him in a purple cloak, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on him. And they began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews. And they were striking his head with a reed and spitting on him and kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him, and they led him out to crucify him. And they, compel and they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. They brought him to the place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull. They offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him and divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide what each should take. And it was the third hour when they crucified him. And the inscription um, of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. And with him they crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads, saying, Aha, you would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Save yourself and come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes mocked him to one another, saying, He saved others, he cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross so that we may see and believe. Those, were, those who were crucified with him also reviled him. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lema sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders heard it, saying, behold, he is calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour, sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink, saying, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion, who stood facing him, saw that, this, saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly, this was the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church. The crucifixion, a terrible day and a beautiful day at the same time. And let's pray and let's ask our Lord Jesus to speak to us this morning through his word. Amen. Heavenly Father, this is your word. You gave it for our edification. You gave it for our correction. You gave it for our training in righteousness. You gave it so that we can understand the way of salvation, which is through faith in Jesus Christ. By your spirit, make your word do all these things for us by faith. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Just want to remind you that if you want to be reading with me, you can follow the scriptures there on the screens, or you can go back 
in a table that we have at the entrance, and then we have some Bibles there with the version that we are using uh, for the Scripture this morning. Um, I have a doctor friend uh, in El Salvador. She was... She was talking once about some of her classes in medical school. And well, she said, you know, Marvin, we take some classes where we examine dead bodies. Yeah, you. <laughs> we look at the muscles, bones, organs, etc. And you know, I was horrified with the idea because... I get dizzy just by entering a hospital. But when she saw my face, she told me, you get used to, Marvin. You get used to. And I never forget that, forgot that conversation with my friend. And thinking about today's passage, I am afraid that I have heard about Jesus', Jesus crucifixion so many times that I had gotten used to it. I pray that today, hearing the story of the crucifixion, we would be, we would be moved by the beauty and the significance of the cross. I pray that we will love Jesus more for what he accomplished on the cross for all of us. The scripture for today have three parts. The first part is the mockery. The second part is the Via Dolorosa and the crucifixion. And the third part is the death of Jesus. So let's begin with the first part. If you open your Bible with me, we read in the verses 16 to 20 this. And the soldiers led him away inside the palace that is the governor's headquarters. And they called together the whole battalion, verse 17, and they clothed him in a purple cloak and twisting together a crown of thorns they put it on him, and they began to salute him, Hail the king of Jews. And they were striking his head with a reed, and spitting on him, and kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him off the purple cloak, and put his own clothes on him. And they led him out to crucify him. This part is full of collective abuse against Jesus, both emotional and physical. We see in these verses how the Roman soldiers in the Praetorian insulted Jesus, a whole battalion, a group of 600 soldiers beat him, stripped him off his clothes, and dressed him in a purple cloak. This purple cloak was a mini skirt 
that the Roman soldiers used. And putting this purple cloak on Jesus was a mocking to Jewish modesty. The purpose of these soldiers was to ridicule Jesus. They were there just for the fun of beating a Jewish man. And after that, they crowned him with thorns and beat him on the face with a reed until he was unrecognizable. The mockery was complete when they began to salute him. Hail, King of the Jews. Mark described this event with simple words without using a lot of details. He's not presenting the fact of the mockery as CNN or Fox News would show them, or even as the famous movie, The Passion. The fact here, the facts, I'm sorry, the facts here are short and to the point. Simple statements, because Mark while presenting the physical suffering of Jesus, also wants his readers to see a more profound understanding of what the crucifixion is actually about. So then we move to the second part, the Via Dolorosa and the crucifixion. If you remember in verse 20, ends, with the Roman soldiers leading Jesus out to crucify him. And at a certain point, Jesus collapses on the way to Golgotha. And a man called Simon of Cyrene is forced to carry the cross. So as they make their way along the Via Dolorosa to the place called Golgotha, Jesus is offered wine mixed with mirror. Some commentators are pretty sure that this was a narcotic to reduce Jesus' pain. But as we read, he refuses to take it by, but he refuses to take it by a, because a particular reason. Jesus knew that he had to be fully aware of the pain and fully aware of the suffering caused by sin in order to pay for it. So he refused to be drugged, to be unsensibilized, of the pain. As we saw last Sunday, Jesus always was clear about his purpose. And nothing would deviate him from it. So the scripture tells us that he arrived at, at Golgotha 
and he was crucified there. And Mark then in verse 24 focuses on something very, very exciting that I want to share with you. If you read with me, verse 24 says, and they crucify him and they divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide what each should take. They crucified Jesus naked. They took everything from him. And now, if we look back to the Garden of Eden before sin entered the world, Adam and Eve had no clothes. They were naked and they were not ashamed. But after sin enters the world, they become ashamed of their nakedness. And God dresses them in garments of skin. Remember in Genesis 3, verse 21. But where do you think God found skin, skins to dress them? Where do you think he found dresses of garments of skin? There was a sacrifice. There was a sacrifice of an animal to dress Adam and Eve. And now at the cross, Jesus is naked, taking our shame to dress us with his garments of justice. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, Now there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation for those who are dressed by the garments of Christ. Yes, at the cross, he was naked to dress you and me. So if we continue reading this passage, Jesus is now at the cross. And he is alone, naked. His disciples have fled from fe for fear. The religious leaders are against him. Every corner of society has turned against him. There is no one to help him. On Friday at 9 in the morning, he is there being mocked with an, with an inscription that says, the king of the Jews. With the two robbers, one on, to the left and 
one to the right. 1,000 years before, David described this moment. If you go with me to Psalm 22, Psalm 22, verse, verses 7 and 8, we find this 1,000 years ago. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. And verse 8 says, He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him. For he delights in him. If we go forward now, thousand years later, and you read with me Mark chapter 15, verses 29 to 32 says, and those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, aha, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes mocked him to one another, saying, he saved others. He cannot save, he cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. And those who were crucified with him also reviled him. And that closes the second part, the Via Dolorosa and the crucifixion. And we come now to verses 33 to 34 that says, and when the sixth sixth hour had come there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour there were three hours of night from noon until 3 p.m the bible says and at the ninth hour jesus cried with a loud voice eloi eloi Lema Savactani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Up until now, up until this time, Jesus had no complaint regardless of the physical pain, but now he cries because of a more severe pain. Isaiah explained this last suffering of Jesus. Isaiah 55, verse 10 says, and explained the suffering of Jesus. And this verse says, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. 
He has put him to grief. God was there, present in the crucifixion of Jesus. Not in a way you and I suspect, but he was there. Whenever God speaks of darkness in the Old Testament, those passages speak of divine judgment. Do you remember in Egypt, the ninth plague? Darkness in the land. You remember that? And then you remember the tenth plague, the death of the firstborn during the night. Judgment. And then Jesus himself spoke about the last days with the, with, at the last day of judgment. And he says in Mark 13, 24, but in those days, Jesus is talking about the last day judgment of God. And he says, in those days after, after that tribulation, the sun will be darked, darkened, and the moon will not give its light. Darkness represents divine judgment. Darkness represents divine wrath. Darkness is God's presence in judgment. And that is what happened the day of the crucifixion. God, the judge, was present. But he was present, crushing Jesus. For three hours, there was darkness. And God unleashed his wrath on his beloved son. In those three hours, Jesus bore our sins in his body. In those three hours, he was made sin for all of us. There is a song that I love a lot that explain exactly what was happening on the cross in this very moment. And says, come in. <laughs> this song says, the mystery of the cross I cannot understand the agonies of Calvary. Says, you, the perfect Holy One, God, the perfect Holy One, crushed your son, drank the bitter cup reserved for me. 
And the chorus says, your blood has washed away my sin. Jesus, thank you. The Father's wrath completely satisfy. Jesus, thank you. Once your enemy, now seated at your table, Jesus, Jesus, thank you. After, I'm sorry, after that horrendous abuse by his own people and from the Romans, and after the exaction from God's wrath upon him, Mark says this in verse 37, and Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the Gospel of John tells us what was his loud cry. His loud cry was, it is finished. It is finished. And verse 38 says, and the curtains of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Who do you think did it? God did it. God brought judgment to his own son. And God tore the curtains of the temple. And God forever accepted the sacrifice of Jesus once and forever. There at the cross, at his death, God says, I am satisfied. No more sacrifices. Jesus is enough for the forgiveness of the sin. He paid it all. And that is the taking for those who don't believe on the sacrifice of the cross. Today, there is an invitation to do the same of, as the centurion soldier that was in front of the cross, and he exclaimed when he saw all this evidence in front of him, he says, he said, truly, truly this man was the son of God. That is the evidence of the cross. If you don't believe this is the day as Ronnie started this morning, this is the day of salvation. You just need to say, this man truly was the Son of God. But what is the taken for, for those who already believed? What is the takeaway from, from the crucifixion for all those who believed? Well, I want to invite you to read with me 
some verses in the book of Hebrews, in chapter 10. If you go with me to the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. Verses 19 to 25. And says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, since you and I believe that there is no curtain anymore between God and you, since you have that insurance, verse 20, by the new and living way that Jesus opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. So you see, Hebrews is explaining what happened at the moment of the cross. And he says in verse 21, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, this is the takeaway for you, brother and sister. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Takeaway for you and for me is that we can live a life with the assurance that our sins have been forgiven. Your sins yesterday, your sins today, and your sins tomorrow were forgiven at the cross of Jesus. But that is not just one time in your life that you need to recognize that. You need to recognize that today and tomorrow and after tomorrow until you see your Savior face to face to say thank you, Jesus. Every day, that's the first thing that you do as a believer. But it's continuing, verse 23. And then the second thing is, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. As a believer, you are invited to live with hope in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of the, the, the tribulation, in the middle of the suffering, in the middle of the uncertainty and despair. We are a people of hope. And he says, God is faithful. If he was faithful in crushing his son to give you the hope of 
salvation and forgiveness. So you should live with an attitude of hope day by day. Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how he will not also. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? See, there is hope for us as believers. He is your provider. He is your protector. He is your peace. He is your joy. He is your everything. Believers are a people of hope. But the verses continue, those in explaining this. And there is some more practical ways to hold fast our confession of hope. And verse 24 says, and let us, how we, how we put into practice these things, that we are forgiven, that our conscience is clean, that we are a people of hope, how we practice, in, in a, how we do this in a practical way. So verse 24 concludes, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. If you are forgiven, you need to find ways to stir up uh, your brother and your sister. Find ways to love your brother and your sister. And how do you do that? Verse 25. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habits of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drowning near yes being here at church my dear brother and sister is one of the ways practical ways that you are saying to your brother and your sister, I am here to encourage you and to remind you that Jesus Christ did everything for you and for me, so we should be together to remind us uh, ourselves about his sacrifice. Practical ways. Come to church. Make it a priority. No one is a convenient convenience for you. But that is a way that we show that we believe in the cross, that there is no anymore any separation between God and us because Jesus opened the way. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you for your word. Lord, there is 
no way that we can express our gratitude for what you did for us on the cross. Just allows us, Lord, to live till our last breath for you, Jesus. Finding ways to love our brother and our sisters finding ways to encourage our brothers and our sisters. Not neglecting, Lord, to be here with the people of God. We ask by your Holy Spirit, Jesus, help us to live for you. Help us to live for you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Let's stand up, brothers and sisters, and let's sing this beautiful song that Carl has prepared for us. It's a closing song.